Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for July 27, 2023. The FOMC lifts rates and leaves the door open for more. After skipping a rate hike at the June policy meeting, the Federal Open Market Committee raised the federal funds rate by 25 basis points yesterday to a range of 5.25% to 5.5%. This was the 11th time since March 2022 that the Fed raised interest rates. Could more rate hikes be on the way? This is Brian Kirk, and to provide analysis and insight on July's FOMC announcement, we have Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bustancic. And joining Kathy is Nationwide's Head of Fixed Income, Brad Beeman. Kathy, Brad, thanks for joining us today. Kathy, let's start with you. Many economists, including you, forecasted that the FOMC would raise rates again this month. And now I think our audience is very interested in your outlook for monetary policy for the remainder of the year. Now you had the chance to hear Chairman Powell's post-meeting press conference yesterday. What are the key takeaways you heard from his comments? Well, thanks, Brian. Yeah, the key was really his forward guidance or any guidance that we'd offer. And and actually, he really abstained from giving any guidance as to what to expect in September or or beyond that, just because there's so much uncertainty around the inflation and and growth outlook. Um, Chairman Powell went through uh, the different factors, noting that even though there wasn't a pledge to to raise rates further, and indeed they may be done, that's our view. We, we think that they are done tightening the cycle, uh, but they clearly left the door open to further rate hikes if needed. What Chairman Powell indicated was um, this continued kind of hawkish lean or vigilance against uh, inflation uh, remaining higher than than they would desire, meaning that while it's gradually cooling, it's still well above the 2% target level. Um, core inflation numbers, which are really probably the, the best to look at, are still running north of, of 4%. So, so with that in mind, for our forecast to be correct and that the Fed has done, we need to see continued slowing in employment growth and also notably cooling in, in inflation. We do think we'll get that. We think the second half of the year GDP growth will decelerate. Um, now, we just got the second quarter GDP report and not surprise, um, we, we had very strong, uh, well above potential growth rate uh, inf- um, expansion in Q2. So GDP expanded 2.4% annualized. Powell is saying we need growth consistently below what they see the long run potential of uh, of 1.8%. So we we need to see that deceleration in growth and, and particularly also probably going to be accompanied by some increase in the unemployment rate. Now they're hoping that navigate a, a soft landing. We're, we're doubtful that can be pulled off, but but odds are increasing in that sense. But from our vantage point, what we think is the Fed is done. They hold rates at this elevated five and a quarter to five and a half percent target range. And as inflation cools, they actually will be engineering tighter policy, but it's passively. It's not by raising the nominal rate. It's just that the real Fed funds rate will increase as inflation cools. And I would just want to highlight you know, the um, the very important Jackson Hole uh, Economic Symposium that the Kansas City Fed um, hosts at the end of August. That will be important. I think that'll be the next 
important time where Chairman Powell gives us an update on on the FOMC's view and, and his own view of inflation and growth. Thanks, Kathy. Hey, Brad, I'd like to get your outlook as well. Hey, what are the financial markets pricing in with regards to the future path of the Fed funds rate this year and next year? And if the Fed is done raising rates, what are the top risks you see for the fixed income market? Yeah, thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, clearly agree with everything Kathy was commenting on earlier as the Fed and uncertainty and you know, hopefully we're looking at the last increase, but I think one of the one of the dilemmas that I'm not sure the market has wrapped their head around yet is the fact that it that this whole concept that it could stay higher for longer. I think if you look at the Fed funds curve, you'll see the uh, for the most part the first cut baked into the Fed funds curve is March 24. Uh, there's some probability of something happening there. I think if you look at the dot plot, it's out there a lot longer, and there's a variety of estimates in the marketplace. T- two comments. First, the market has generally already been pricing in a soft landing. So if you look at the equity markets, you look at credit spread products, IG, high yield spreads as a proxy, securitized spreads as a proxy. There's all been meaningful rallies in those asset classes uh, year to date. And they continue to have strength on the back of yesterday's meeting, um, I think, as more optimism the Fed has done. And, you know, basically, you know, maybe it gives it another leg on this rally, but uh, remains to be seen. I think if we get into a situation where uh, we stay higher for longer on the front end. The, the the question is, what is the real risk in some of these markets, right? And some some of the markets and some of the consumers have termed out their their financial profile. Maybe is a way to think about it. So, I think maybe there's a little bit less sensitivity in the market place for some of the delta changes that have occurred in the last 12 to 18 months. As far as the front end of the curve, when you think about IG issuers, for example, mostly fixed rate, probably a little bit less sensitivity or sensitivity would come come on board as they have to refi certain debt securities, which happens over time, right? So it's more of a muted impact. I think on the consumer, the same. You think about their mortgages and stuff like a lot of people shifted to fixed rate mortgages, at least in the U.S. and some of the countries abroad, not so much, but at least in the U.S., that's the case. Uh, I do think one area of potential risk is more of the leverage finance area. If you look over the last 15 years uh, and think about leverage finance as a component of high yield and bank loans and now in the last 10 years, private credit, which you can think about as just another way to say bank loans, uh, despite of what they call it in the wrapper, a large, much larger proportion of below investment grade debt is now floating rate in nature. So we are continuing, have started, and I think we'll continue to see pressure on those companies that are more levered and a larger portion of their cap structure is floating rate. Um, And there's other pockets too. I don't want to just restrict it down to the high yield discussion. 
uh, or the below investment grade discussion. There are pockets in subprime automotive. We're starting to see some cracks. I think we talked about this a little bit last time when we got on. We're starting to see, you know, a little bit of pressure on the consumer, but it's been really slow. Uh, the employment market has remained really strong. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of resiliency there on the consumer front. So um, I think a higher for longer scenario pr probably is going to pressure corporations in pockets, probably not as wholesale as what you've traditionally seen. And we'll see, you know, scenarios where companies that financed a lot of their paper maybe got a little bit too greedy on the cost of capital and financed it on the front end, right? We'll have a little bit more pain specifically in the high yield space. Uh, thanks, Brad. And Kathy, we just heard Brad mention soft landing and the economic data continue to be resilient as we enter the second half of the year. And at the same time, inflation readings recently have softened. So how do we now view the odds of a soft landing versus a hard landing? Yeah, you know, as as Brad um, it spoke about the the bond market and and the the kind of the monetary policy transmission mechanism, that's how I look at it. Um, it's not quite as strong as it has been in previous cycles, even though the Fed has raised rates from zero now to you know the top end of the range, five and a half percent. I think that. You know, clearly with the data coming in stronger, odds of a soft landing have increased. Uh, we still have not uh, changed our base case. Our base case is still that we get, you know, a moderate recession. Um, the timing could be later. I mean, we are look we are expecting fourth quarter into the first quarter of next year, but certainly the ongoing strength of the labor market, as Brad talked about, is is really been key in helping to propel the overall economy and. and keep the consumer resilient, even though we've seen interest rate increases and inflation remaining quite elevated. Uh, they've also tapped into a very large degree of the pent up uh, or, or accumulated uh, pandemic related savings. When we couldn't go out and spend, um, we've been, we've been take, dipping into that and, 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 um, really drawing down upon it. So that's helped also buff the consumer. Um, but I, I do think it's key to think about uh, this idea that, you know, the Fed will not, you know, be very quickly pivoting to cut rates. This is a different paradigm and something new that we're not used to. So, you know, how the economy reacts um, is unknown. And our viewpoint is the fact that they're going to hold it restrictive and it, again, in real terms, it's going to get more restrictive because inflation is going to trend lower. I think that's eventually going to weigh on consumers and businesses. And even those who've locked in uh, to longer term funding, you're still going to have some debt rolling over and, and some of it's variable and that on the margin could crimp things. So we never were looking for a severe recession. Really, the only Big imbalance in the economy is inflation, but that's significant, right? And it is, it can be hard to bring it out. I think what I also worry about is when we see these wage negotiations that were struck with the UPS and the Teamsters, these are significant increases in wages. And we're certainly happy for the workers. It's, it's, it's not from that vantage point, but I think about the Fed's uh, you know, dual mandate right now, they would say that we're overemployed right now. Like employment is doing better than than potential. And that still means we sort of have this heating up of, of friction and pressures. And, and it may mean that they, they can't have inflation trend 
as quickly in the you know downward direction as they would want because consumers still have the wherewithal to spend, and then businesses feel they can continue to to raise prices at a rapid clip. Ultimately, what we think is that um, you're going to see the fact that inflation cools companies lose pricing power, but the wage structure is going to remain pretty elevated and that's going to crimp profit margins. And that is sort of the typical business cycle dynamic where then companies pull back on hiring and, 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 you know, even hours worked. Um, but, you know, certainly I think we have to give a nod and not ignore the incoming data um, even though the leading indicators and they are still pointing to to recession, we have to be aware that you know currently the coincident indicators could could keep this expansion going for for a bit longer. Um, well, one other thing um, to maybe to, to push this back to Brad is there's debate going on right now. Is is this time different with the yield curve? Right, the yield curve is traditionally one of the best indicators for the business cycle, whether we're going into recession or or coming into recovery. And it's curious, Brad, do you do you think this time is different, or how do you view the this very still very deep inversion of, of the yield curve? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, and and clearly whether you look at Who's tens, Fed funds tens, right? Both very deeply inverted, and I would argue. I know some 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 people would debate this. Is 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 certainly one of the indicators that could foreshadow a potential recession, right? So something we look at. Um, I'm not sure the term premium. You know, and, and uh, I know there's been some discussion about the term premium being low as maybe mitigating some of that. I, th I think maybe a different way to think about it would be the uh, real interest rates. Uh, from that perspective, I think when the Fed started raising rates, real interest rates were meaningfully negative. Right, and are now just starting to move towards or into positive territory. Meaning, put said a different way, the Fed is just now starting to get restrictive, where in periods before, um, real interest rates would have been at or positive at the start of the process, and it would have had more impact on the economy. So, I think, I think. Part of what we're seeing there is kind of where we started from on some of these components, which means it's taking a little longer. And I think some of us are we're, we're all questioning whether the, the old guard metrics work. My, my gut reaction is, yeah, they probably still work. The LEIs and all the components that Kathy's looking at and all the I'll call it the market based metrics that we all look at are going to work, it's just going to take a little longer. There's just going to be a little bit more time uh, that's going to have to lapse and then throw on, I think what Kathy's probably covered numerous times for the audience here. And, you know, we would affirm is just the, all the fiscal stimulus that came in kind of the post COVID period and kind of short up balance sheets temporarily and made things look uh, better, more sustainable, um, than they are. And the, the, the way I like to think about it is, right, it's like if you were a certain type of credit pre-COVID and then you got an influx into your balance sheet, yes, that sustained your spending. But at the end, when that's gone, you're probably the same type of credit you were before. Um, I think the other thing I, I would 
highlight here is back to the term premium. I think if you look at it over the last 10 or 15 years, it's been on a, I'd call it down into the right trend, right? Similar to the way treasuries have been moving as what I'll call macro uncertainty is kind of like collapsed in some sense. Um, I think it'll be a very interesting period the next five or 10 years. You know, my, my reaction and looking at some of what's going on in the world, looking what's going on as it relates to inflation, which could be cyclical, but there also could be structural components. I wouldn't be surprised to see that some of the term premium revert back into the market and we have a slow up and to the right rise in the term premium and probably 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 the 10 year and some other pieces of the yield curve as well well thank you brad we're going to go ahead and wrap it up right there kathy and brad thank you so much for this great discussion and for providing your outlook we will continue to monitor cpi and other economic indicators and keep you informed on our outlook for future rate hikes including our analysis of what is said at the upcoming jackson hole meeting stay connected by subscribing to this podcast. That way you can be notified as soon as each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.